Angels for the Baltimore Colts. Unitas gives to Amici. The Colts are the world champion. Amici scores. That's amazing. Sensational. Dramatic. Hard-running. Exciting. Thrilling. Finish in the history of college football. California has won the big game. This is Phil Steele. This is Mike Burnham. This is Wes Durham. This is Mike Ashley. Hi, this is Chuck Foreman, number 44 of the Minnesota Vikings. Woo, mercy, this is handsome Jimmy Vance, the boogie-woogie man. This is Coach Fry with Virginia Tech Football, and you are listening to Big Dog Sports Talk. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to roll? Okay, let's do it. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network. 101.7, 103.5, and AM 1460. Streaming worldwide at WRADradio.com and the TuneIn app for your phone. Join the conversation now on the Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900, or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your host, the big dog, Rick Watson. Team hotline at 639-4900, text line 744-2990. Rick at New River Radio. Or you can uh, send me a message on Messenger. Travel day for yours truly. Final uh, week of the regular season in Big South basketball. We'll be playing Charleston Southern Wednesday night. Hear that game at 6.30 here. But obviously that's a five-hour trip and some change, so you have to leave the day before, so we'll be leaving a little bit later today with a trip to Charleston. And even though it's a long drive, at least it's, well, Charleston. At least it's warmer weather. Never as bothered by a long trip when you're driving south, right? So that's happening a little bit later on today. Mike Burnup scheduled to join us at 7.05, Jermaine Farrell, and then David Smith. 
And I'm hoping to do the program tomorrow from Charleston. Have to get down there and talk to the hotel people and arrange everything. So uh, that is the plan for Wednesday. I will not be here on Thursday. We'll be coming back through the night after the game Wednesday night, scheduled to be in around 4 a.m. That would literally be coming in straight from the road and then jumping on the air and probably wouldn't be a good idea. So that's happening over the next couple of days just to give everyone a heads up. I don't know what Thursday will look like. I don't know if other people will be in here or if it'll be a replay of a different show. We'll let you know once we get there through our social media and our ever-expanding and very popular Facebook page. Facebook, the electric friendship generator. So all that is coming about. Mike Burnup um, will be joining us, and uh, we've got college basketball on the horizon for uh, Mr. Burnup here tonight. Virginia Tech and Syracuse. That will happen at 7 o'clock. Syracuse only a a one-and-a-half point favorite. Pitt at Clemson could be a good game as well. NC State, Florida State, Wake, and Notre Dame kind of meh. Kind of meh. But we'll talk to Mike about the game and um, see how the Hokies perform in the Dome. The artist formerly known as the Carrier Dome, now the JMA Wireless Dome. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Good article yesterday. I had a a couple conversations yesterday. I got some tidbits of things I want to share with you. Um, Because I like to share things when I talk to people that have Massive amounts of credibility in the college athletics world. But this was an article, before we get into that, by Michael McCann. It was on uh, Sportico. I don't know really what Sportico is, but uh, the title of the article was College Athlete Union Push Arrives as Schools Face Budget Clouds. And it goes through a lot of this future scenario-by-scenario development you know, Dartmouth, their men's basketball players, um, got the whole ball rolling with trying to become employees. The National Labor Relations Act. So there's going to be a, a March the 5th uh, vote about creating a union and all that. And this is where all this is branching thumb. Um It's very complex because the employment of athletes at public universities is governed right now by state laws, laws that prohibit or limit opportunities for public employees to unionize. And this article talks about the possibility of the public university athletes' conferences and the NCAA could all be deemed the athletes' joint employers under the NLRA which would then enable them to unionize and bargain with their conference and the NCAA. And then there's a federal law where college athletes could be deemed employees. The Fair Labor, uh, Fair Labor Standards Act. So 
there's a lot going on behind the scenes, a lot of gloom and doom, a lot of folks that realize that this thing's never going to look the same again. You're never going to have any kind of amateurish feel with college athletics ever again. So anyone who's still holding out hope that this is going to be like it was before, just go ahead and either accept the future uh, or just get out. You know, you may not want to invest all your time and money in all the things that you used to. Um, But one thing the article talks about is how colleges are going to fret at the prospect of paying collegiate athletes slash employees. They're going to claim that they're already losing money on athletics and can't afford to absorb hundreds of new employees. Depending on the nature of the athlete's employment, colleges could have to pay wages, health care, retirement contributions, workers' comp, and various employer taxes. The article then talks about how the timing couldn't be worse for colleges. The college-age population in the U.S. is projected to shrink over the next 12 years because of declining birth rates. So you're going to have lower overall enrollments. So colleges will be taking in fewer dollars as a whole from tuition, meal plans, etc., which means you're going to have to expect more increase in student fees and in tuition in terms of what you're going to have to pay if you want to go to college. Right? At many colleges, faculty and staff hirings is expected to slow considerably as schools prepare for fewer students. So higher ed is being faced with a lot of huge challenges, and some will be better equipped than others to handle all this. And you're going to see a lot less money be spent on head coaches and athletic directors. These folks make far too much money. You got you got college football coaches making twelve million dollars. Some ads making two to three to four million dollars. So that's going to have to be restructured. So it's going to be a new reality, either to embrace or ignore or just have to accept the consequences once all the money runs out, basically is what the article is talking about. And you're going to see schools across the country cut athletic teams. You may even see schools terminate their athletics program and make it into club teams, make it club sports, because there's a different type of laws that are tied into club titles to sports. But then again, there would be a lot of potential legal consequences for that. If a school wants to do that, they have to clarify and then distinguish the club team from its varsity ancestor. You can't just call a club team a club team. Then Title IX comes into play. If you do decide to cut programs... So it's an article that paints out some realities, but at the same time, you know, does kind of make you take a sideways look and go, wow, this is, this is really, <laughs> this is about to get even crazier than anybody imagined. And I work in college athletics and, you know, we hear about all these things every day and uh, there's a lot of things that's going to happen. Who knows the time frame, right? Who knows? It's going to be very interesting to see how all this plays out. I don't think any of it's good. I think you're going to see uh, 
like we have talked about, it, it's going to come down to just the have and the have-nots. I don't know how the non-Power Fives are going to be able to survive in the, stir, in the current environment that's developing. But that article led me into a conversation of a, uh, a friend, a contact that I have at a Big Ten school. And I spoke to this individual for about an hour yesterday. We hadn't caught up in a while. We were just catching up in this article. He had also seen this article and talking about some of the things that he has gathered from his meetings and so forth. And I'm not going to mention who it is. I told him I'd probably talk about some of these things because I do trust his instinct. And I like to share things with peeps. Like I said, when I hear something that I believe is credible, I like to pass it along because... You know, why not? That's what we're here to do. And he was talking about this whole SEC Big Ten Advisory Council and what is going on right now almost on a daily basis between those two leagues. And it's exactly what I told you, and I'm not just telling you this to pat myself on the back, but I mentioned this a few weeks ago when this whole advisory council was created. The Big Ten and the SEC are trying to get ahead of the curb of this whole future litigation. In other words, they're trying to create as much of a financial power play as they can. Those two leagues According to my friend, and these are discussions. He was in a meeting last Friday. This is where all this is. Just so everybody knows, this is go- this goes beyond speculation. This is why someone like Dave Hunsiker, who we have on the show, know- knew about all these things that were going to happen too, because these are conversations that are going on. Of course, he works at a Power 5 school at Oklahoma State. So my friend was in a meeting on Friday. And when he got into the meeting with the brass at his school, they had just finished a meeting, and it was all of the ADs from the Big Ten and all the ADs from the SEC. And you know what they were discussing? How each are going to handle the expansion to 24 teams. Remember I told you that back when... UCLA and USC surprised everybody. We woke up and got the news that the SEC was well aware of it. Yes, they were. That the Big Ten and the SEC were likely working together, even though they didn't have, um, you know, this brand new alliance. The alliance. Well, now they're already working, and it's exactly what I had kind of guessed was going to be the case. They both understand that now that they are the two power players in collegiate athletics, that they had to quit being adversaries about expansion, TV deals, trying to, you know, claim as much of the market individually, realizing that joined together, they would be, unstoppable so it was common sense and really it came from the presidents and all the chancellors on down a lot of the big boosters who are business people 
So they decided to be stronger by joining as one as opposed to continuing to be adversaries to see which one was going to rule the roost because they both understand that together they both will be the ones in charge. We'll get into more of this. And some of the things that I was told yesterday that were on the table, not that any of this is decided, just to tell you where the conversations are. So you'll know. So when you're talking about it with people, you know, regardless of what people are saying publicly at schools, this is what's going on. Mike Burnett, Jermaine Farrell, and David Smith a little bit later on here on a Tuesday. a nonsensical word and still have top 10 song. That was Phil Collins back in the 80s. 744 We're getting uh, a lot of text messages about all this. Um, <laughs> Mark says, just, you kind of, he goes, Rick, you may not know this, but you kind of got a doom and gloom tone to your voice as you're reading all this. Well, I don't, I just don't know how it's going to – I have a decent idea of how it's going to play out in the uh, Power Five aspect of it. I don't have much of an idea yet about schools like mine at Radford and how they're going to try to cope with all this. Will there be different because of the level and the amount of revenue that schools have and are part of? I mean, you can't have one – I wouldn't think you can have just one NIL ruling that's going to apply in terms of college employees at every school. It would have to be some common sense about what schools can pay. But I'll tell you one thing. I know one thing. Radford University or any non-Power 5 school can't afford to take on six to 900 new employees in its athletic department, which is what would happen if there's – unionization, and then everyone becomes employees. I don't know how any state legislation, I don't know how any governors could even go about trying to say, hey, we now have monies that are allocated to take care of these athletes. I don't even know how that even would happen. But the article that I quoted you from Sportico is... uh, Talking about those situations. Just uh, very difficult, man. Very difficult time. We'll get into what I was told yesterday. And by the way, they are going to do exactly what I said. They're going to go to 24 and have four 16 divisions in each of the future SEC and the Big Ten. That's the plan. We talked about it. It makes sense. It's an NFL model. The NFL model is successful. And this is what this is becoming, NFL light, if you will. But once the SEC and the Big Ten expand to 48 together, each with 24, you're going to have, in all likelihood, 
This is according to my source at a Big Ten school who works in the administration at a Big Ten athletic department. I trust the information. That's why I'm telling you. Um, <clears throat> you're going to have four six-team divisions. I don't know what they're going to look like. Who knows? Just telling you how the conversation went as recently as last Friday between the ADs and commissioners of the SEC and the Big Ten. Things that aren't getting reported on, right? These are things that are happening, just like they happen when UCLA and USC join the Big Ten. Things will be leaked and released when they know things are inevitable. That's usually the way it works. So the first news that leaked was, here's the council, and pretty soon you're going to have the leaking of, here comes the latest expansion. I was told a rumor by this person that's not going to be good news for Virginia Tech fans. We'll be back. I've heard people say that too much of anything is not good for you, baby. But I don't know about that. There's been a time that we've loved and we've shared love and made love. It doesn't seem to me like it's enough. It's just not enough, man. It's not enough. I had a peep say uh, thank you for getting uh, Sammy Davis Jr. in my head yesterday. Apparently he was singing the Candyman all day. You're welcome. That's what we do here on the program. Six three nine forty nine hundred. Text lines open for you seven four four twenty nine ninety. Mike Burnup, Jermaine Farrell, and uh, David Smith here today on the show, and I'll be traveling Charleston. Hope to originate the program from Charleston tomorrow. Won't be here Thursday, and then we'll have our our Friday show as uh, normal coming up. All right, so that's that's going on. Yeah, I got a bunch of text messages. I saw this. Uh, Ole Anderson passed away. One of the uh, four horsemen. Maybe the heart and soul of the horsemen, right? Ole and Gene Anderson. I know Ric Flair was tweeting yesterday. Um, Great wrestler. Great persona. Had that beard, man. Ole Anderson. Strong as an ox. And by the way, I got into a discussion yesterday. There were a couple of young people at work, and they were, you know, dissing wrestling. It really gets on my nerves when people, how can you watch something and appreciate something that's fake? And I looked at them deadpan, and I go, do you watch movies? <laughs> do you watch television and movies? Well, of course. We love movies. Um, you realize that's all fake right? You realize that those are just people pretending to be other people. You've put people on a pedestal who aren't real 
They're getting paid just to pretend to be other people. I said, do you not understand that professional wrestling is the exact same thing, except these people are actually athletes and have to work hard just to not to hurt or kill themselves? So don't come at me with, well, you know it's not real. Okay, neither is the crap you watch in the theater on TV. Right? Yes, the wrestlers are playing characters. It's awesome. It's just however you choose to have your entertainment. And Ole and the Four Horsemen, man, they pulled that persona off beautifully. So, yeah, yeah, it's a sad day for all of us who are connoisseurs of professional wrestling, and I do consider myself that. Look, I don't sit around and go, hey, this is real. Wink, wink. I, everybody knows what it is, but I tell you what, the choreography, and like I say, they are very strong in the athleticism and everything else they have to keep in mind. I tell you what, man, it's very impressive. I had this conversation with Boogie back on the show, first run of the show. He used to come in the studio when we had uh, Boogie come in on Thursdays, and they talked about what went into it. But I know one thing, it made the younger people go, oh, well, maybe Generation Z, maybe we're not right about everything. No, you're wrong about most everything. <laughs> you mean you mean these actors aren't real? No, they're just people that couldn't care less about anything but the money they're making off of pretending to be other people. So anyway, that was my counter-argument, and I suggest you use the same thing going forward, right? Now, I'm not necessarily as into it now. I think it's changed with the culture of everything else, just like we're talking about this future of college athletics. But I'll tell you what, during the heyday of the horsemen, even in the early 2000s, I mean, it was, it was good. But don't come at me with, well, you know it's not real. Well, neither is any of the crap you watch. You think those reality shows are real? You know they watch them. None of it's real because there's a camera and a script. Oh, really? You're not just showing up somewhere and filming people's real lives? No. None of the reality television's ever been real. Imagine that. (laughs) Good God. Don't get me started on that generation. All right, back to my um, information gathering and sharing about future college football and how it's going to look. And I mentioned before the break, a little teaser, Tech fan would not be necessarily happy with what I was told yesterday. And what I was told yesterday, and I'm just going to flat out get it out there, because I don't know how much of this is knowledge amongst these schools, but I was told that the Big Ten nor the SEC have any interest in Virginia Tech. As a matter of fact, Virginia Tech and NC State are kind of partnering up, and they've now been in communication. This is what I was told. I don't have this knowledge. I'm just being told. 
that they have kind of come to the realization that once the ACC is gone, and by the way, this person I talked to, my buddy yesterday in the Big Ten Athletic Department, it's not if, okay? The ACC is done. <laughs> it's going to happen within the next two years. It, it's not even – these conversations that are going on with the Big Ten and the SEC to go to 24, as we told you, are including several members of the ACC. Jim Phillips knows this. All the ADs at ACC schools know this. Whit Babcock knows this. The ACC is about done. Okay? It's done. It's not going to be part of this. It's going to go the way of the Pac-12. With the SEC and the Big Ten working together, as I told you they were going to, figure out which of those fits are better for each league, but not Tech or NC State, at least what I was told. And the good news, though, is that there's a lot of speculation within the Big Ten athletic departments that the Big 12 will continue to grow, and that's where Virginia Tech and NC State will eventually end up, and they will also be part of whenever this thing breaks away. So, it feels like to me that, yeah, on one side, it's not great news to find out that the Big Ten and the SEC aren't interested in Tech, but the other part of it is, if the Big 12 does go ahead and get its own 24, or whatever it's going to look like, that they will also be part of this to some degree. I don't know what it's going to look like because the Big 12 is never going to be invited to be a partner with the SEC and the Big 10. I asked my friend, I said, are there any absolute done deals? Like, are there any things that are just absolutely 100% going to happen that people know is happening? He goes, yeah, North Carolina, the Big 10 is done. <laughs> he, he didn't hesitate. You said North Carolina, the Big Ten is done. It's just, you know, that's, that we've all, as a matter of fact, everybody's operating like there's the first shoe to drop in our league because he's part of a Big Ten athletic department. We all know North Carolina is going to be part of the expanded Big Ten. So there you go. The rumors about Virginia being attractive are very true. The Big Ten, very, very interested. And I know people are going to go, what? It's not necessarily about where the current state of their football program is at right now. It's about the AAU membership. It's about the academic side. And it still has some pull with these presidents who are agreeing to all this, by the way, because they understand the future of college athletics hangs in the balance. But Virginia's attractive just because of those other things, those other intangibles that they have. Now, the other part that is kind of interesting that uh, he talked about, and again, he was just in one of these meetings on Friday. People are asking me who this is. I, I'm not going to reveal the name. At the, that's how you destroy sources. I'm just telling you what I was told, and, and I would not do that to him. It's none of your business, to be quite honest with you. I'm just telling you what I was told. It's my, my friend, my connection, and I'm not going to betray that trust. Sorry. And if it's wrong, then it's wrong. But I get the feeling that it's not wrong. Anyway, 
Um, Notre Dame. And I thought this was an interesting point that he made, and here's where the discussions are with Notre Dame. Notre Dame has always been able to thrive on being an independent because they've had somewhere to house all of their other sports. Right? Whether it was the Big East and now the ACC. Well, while no one can force Notre Dame to join any league, and no, Notre Dame will not be left out of this football future because of their brand and Notre Dame has to be a part to help all these other institutions and those two leagues to maximize their dollars with the TV networks. But, but, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish are not going to have a future with all of their Olympic sports In the SEC or the Big Ten, this is what I was told. Those leagues are not going to accept Notre Dame as part-time members in their leagues. In other words, if Notre Dame were to tell the Big Ten, okay, we're going to join you in football, then they would gladly accept it all. But they're not going to allow this same type of charter membership that the ACC has done. Thus, Notre Dame has had to regroup a little bit. Because once the ACC implodes, what's going to happen to the scheduling and the ability to play for championships for every other Notre Dame program other than football? Here's where Notre Dame doesn't have the kind of power that I know many people around there think they do. They're not going to be able to get away with not having their Olympic sports in one of these future leagues. Now, would that mean the Big 12 would be eager to say, we'll take them? I don't know. And I got to be honest with you. Do you honestly believe? And I asked my buddy this question, is Notre Dame's brand beyond football even something that is that attractive? How much has it helped the ACC? And he said, well, other than the football games that they agree to play against ACC members – I don't think it helps a whole lot. And I think he's right. So there's the one caveat to the whole Notre Dame situation, right? So keep that in mind. Will that force Notre Dame's hand? How arrogant have they been? Well, this is what Notre Dame has been told. Yes, you're going to be part of this. But no, we don't want your other sports. (laughs) So if the power players are the SEC and the Big Ten going forward, where are you going to put your sports once the ACC implodes? Hmm. So there is a potential wrinkle that Notre Dame is going to have to figure out. Is their brand alone, even though they would not agree to come in your league, Big 12, enough to welcome them in. And this is where they could overplay their hand as an ongoing independent. The Big 10 would gobble them up in a heartbeat if they said they wanted to come in. So their football independence means everything to them, 
but would that create independence in all their other sports? And I'm telling you, they cannot afford to absorb that blow. Because then every other sport has to fend for itself and come up with independent scheduling like the football program controls right now. And when you're talking about baseball and softball, when you're playing nearly 60 games, all right, in volleyball, what, 25 matches per year? I mean, that becomes very complicated, not to mention the cost of traveling to wherever it might be that you would have to be played. So Notre Dame is going to be desperate to find a home for all of its sports other than football once the ACC has the nuke button pushed. So keep that in mind, too, when Notre Dame's going around sticking their chest out. They got a lot of concerns behind the scenes because the SEC and the Big Ten are not going to take the rest of their sports. The ACC did it out of a desperate measure. They needed the branding association. Big East before that needed the branding association. The SEC and the Big Ten do not. And they've told them as much. We'll be back to wrap up our one. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. Finishing up hour number one. Appreciate uh, the majority of the uh, comments I'm getting about all this. I Look, I'm just trying to share with you what I was told. This isn't a prediction. This is just letting you know where the winds are blowing right now in a meeting that took place as late as Friday. Okay? This source has been pretty much on and other things when we told you about past expansion and we told you about the Pac-12 imploding he had all the information about that so there we go there we go I'm just saying and everybody's now upset because of the whole Virginia Tech thing look I don't know the where's and why's but I know a lot of it has to do to a direct TV market keep in mind these schools these two conferences Greg Sankey New commissioner of the Big Ten are, are in discussions constantly with the networks. This is where we are. Right? It's all about TV market visibility and maximizing future deals there. But this is just where the winds of conversation are going. These aren't statements of, hey, this is going to happen. Just to clarify, this isn't saying what I predict would happen. I'm just telling you what was talked about in a meeting between the the Big Ten and the SEC last week from someone who was there in the damn meeting. (laughs) So you can run with it if you want. That's fine if you choose not to, but I just felt like this audience, the smartest listening audience in radio, should know exactly where things are. Because it's going to continue to come out. The information is going to continue to come out here in increments as they see benefits of it. And that was the key that I got yesterday. The reason information is released, especially by ESPN and Fox and all the media that 
is benefiting from all this is when they know that, okay, now it's about timing, right? It's about timing. It's about trying to create marketing. It's about all these things that it's all structured, the information that comes out. So there you go. There you go. Mike Burnup joins us leading off uh, hour number two. We'll see how he's doing in uh, upstate New York. <laughs> and uh, see if we can get into some of this discussion as well. You know, because it's, it's a mess. Nobody likes it. Well, other than the SEC and the Big Ten. I think everybody else is just uh, fed up, but it's where it's going. And then when you have everything else with the unionization of student athletes and then schools are going to be forced to make decisions acting on that i'm telling you it's why the sec and the big 10 are trying to be as proactive as they can now they know that all this stuff's going to be hung up in the courts for a year or two so they're trying to get these deals done and get everything in place so they're going to have as many dollars available to them if they have to start once again treating athletes as employees 